Hello, thanks for listening to Acting Related, the MySite.actor podcast. I'm your host, Frank Prendergast, and my guest today is film and television director Patrick O'Shea, or Paddy, as I call him. Paddy works in both drama and documentary. His debut feature film, Tree Keeper, premiered at the 56th Cork Film Festival, and his documentary feature, Why Is There Anything Instead of Nothing, premiered on Sky Arts in 2018. He has numerous shorts in both drama and documentary form, and he has written and directed a six-part docuseries called Scelta Grona Heron, or Ireland's Greatest Loves, produced by Bo Media for TG Car. We had a really great chat about Paddy's experience of making the series. He shares some excellent insights that he's learned about marketing your work as a filmmaker, and we also chatted about why he chooses to work from Cork and how that enables him to create the work that he wants to. So let's chat. So Paddy, thanks so much for joining me uh, for a chat. And uh, and yeah, I'm going to call you Paddy because uh, we, we go back a while, uh, even though officially you're Patrick O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, film uh, credits wise anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and as, so as we chat, it is the day before Valentine's Day. And uh, I have no idea if it's, I'd say now my editing skills for podcasting might not be up to the challenge, but I'm going to try and get this out tomorrow, (laughs) seeing as you currently have a six-part documentary series on TG Carr called Scale to Grana Heron or Ireland's Greatest Loves. Um, So I'd love to chat to you a bit about that. Um, I should mention right up front, I guess, that uh, I depict... Yates in in one of those episodes yeah. and we had a we had a lot of fun shooting it um but yeah so maybe just h- how did it all come about first of all I mean what uh what drew you to the concept of uh scale to grow in a heron well I'll have to be honest now right the first um I heard this was it was an idea from uh, Derek Nagel who runs Bo Media and right. We made the sh- we made a show under the company name Bo Media. Um, it is uh, Derek's company. He's the producer, and Derek had a concept of doing a a documentary series about um, Ireland's loves, and in particular, each one being linked with an item or a place around the country that would kind of give us a connection right. to the story in in particular that whatever story and whatever item it was. Um, and when I I had known Derek for a while and I was working with Rupert McCarthy Murrow for a long time, uh, DP. We've been right. doing a lot of projects together and Rupert and Derek were working on this together and it was Derek's idea and then Rupert and him were developing it and they were like shooting a few sample kind of, um, they were getting the look of it together and getting the stories for the six episodes together. Um, and I started working with Derek on some corporate stuff and the three of us were just working together in different ways and then they were doing this and they were like, oh, we're going to go to TG Car with this. And as you know, we I went to Plosh and Fierce and had the Irish and I had had taught. Um, I went back and I taught transition year students um, how to make films, Oscar, I guess. So I had oh. kept in touch with the Irish, you know, um, and I I had I had done some work in Irish. And basically the when when it went in the direction of TG Car. Derek was like, would you be interested in coming on board and uh, being the writer director on this? Because we, you know, we'd worked a good bit together and he'd seen right. my work. Um, and at this point we were still in development. And so the three of us started looking at the six stories again. And, you know, some of them, we kind of moved them around a bit and we dropped one, we brought another one in. Um, and it, it, it was exciting because 
it was the first, there was only else out there like this. So we got to pick six stories. You know, we were yeah. the first to kind of dive in and go, okay, what are the six most interesting Irish love stories that had an impact on this country that had an impact on our culture, you know? And then yeah. also, is there items or places connected with those people that resonate with Irish people today and stuff? So they had found some of those items and things already, but it was great fun to be able to like, you know, pick those stories and you know i was familiar with and had they had they picked had they picked uh, a lot of them already or were you involved in the picking because i was going to ask that as well about how how you chose them and and were there you know were there love stories that she left out that she would love to return to yes no that's the thing like they the lads had already a list done and i think we we had probably we probably had eight or nine in order to have options for commissioning editors to kind of go Right. Don't like that one. Replace it with another one. Or oh yeah, give us your you know out of the, out of this eight, I would go with these ones. And then we we narrowed down ourselves to six. I think the lads had most of the stories in there anyway, and there were there were kind of obvious strong ones like Michael Collins and Kitty Kiernan, Robert Emmett and Sarah Kern. Robert the Robert Emmett and Sarah Kern was almost leading the series. It was like that was the that was the sample. That was the kind of um, that was ground zero for us. It's like okay, this is the perfect story to be telling. There was an item that Derek had unrooted already. Um, himself and Rupert filmed um, a few shots of the brooch in right. the Cork Museum already. To put a, they put a small sequence together about Robert Emmett and Sarah Kern and their love story in order to show off, um, you know, the look of the show and get a feel of the show for prospective right. people that might be interested in backing it or um, supporting it. And so that we used Robert Emmett and Sarah Kern one as a perfect example of a really exciting love story. That had a political impact or a you know an impact on the country and then also there was that item of the brooch that he had made for sarah kern that was like in the court public museum that you as a as a audience watching you could the next day go into the museum and see this item you know right yeah cool. and so that that kind of gave us right that's the one now what else is out there that we can continue with and we can we can just kind of you know use that as the base as a sample of what we're doing and i think one the one the one suggestion i made i remember is um the the wedding the strombo and Aoife were what story was in there that big painting that's in the national gallery right you know, that huge giant painting of the wedding of strombo and Aoife. and it's like that that's the that's the marker for english um kind of the English invasion into Ireland, whatever, Strombo married a chieftain's um, daughter and basically opened the gates to, to the English coming and, and taking over Ireland. But it was a very old story and there was not an awful lot of story there. Um, and also the older the stories they are, the the less kind of um, records there are, archival records. And also, of course, of course yeah. it's just expensive to start you know filming them and to recreate them because you don't have photographs and you don't necessarily have a lot of paintings to to work with so i remember that was one that we dropped and we put in um i think it was probably yates and maud gone went in there um, in, in that place so yeah so you got to you got to play yates now the yates and maud gone story is fascinating and it's so complicated but it was actually really difficult to make in the series because the episodes are only like 25 minutes when you add in the ad breaks. Sure. Um, and so condensing someone's story and then condensing two people, a couple's story into 25 minutes was really difficult. And especially when they don't die tragically young, like nearly all of our episodes. Yates <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> lived to be like 73 or four or something. And Maud lived into her eighties. And I was like, 
God damn it, these people just keep doing stuff right up till the, till the end. And it yeah, was very difficult yeah. to condense yeah. it down, you know? Sure, yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking there as well about the uh, <clears throat> the reaction on Twitter. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah jesus i uh i saw yeah i saw some of the um i saw some of the the retweets and uh it 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 appeared as though uh because because yates asked maud gone to uh marry him so many times and because <laughs> she refused him each time it seemed like uh, there was a few people on twitter who wanted to cancel yates um yeah <laughs> yeah I was waiting for the hashtag, um, hashtag cancel Yates. And I was yeah. like going, wow. But I, I, at first, when it started happening a few days before the show, I was watching and I was kind of going, oh, this is kind of um, scary. And then I thought it was funny. And then I thought it was scary again because there was about 50 people in a row that had some comment on Twitter about, oh, he was a creep. He was a stalker. Poor Maud. Oh, you know, the trauma he caused Maud. Um, and then people saying stuff like, oh, you know, he... Asked, asked her to marry him four, three, three times. She said, no, he wouldn't sit, take no for an answer. And then someone said, oh, he then turned his attentions to the daughter. And then someone said, oh, he married a daughter. And then someone said, oh, the daughter was 15 and he asked her to marry him. And someone said, oh, well, he actually married a daughter. Now, all that is false and not real, not true. Sure. I just didn't want to engage with it or get involved. Because no, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when I, I looked at these... When you look, Sorry, when, when you look see at... the tweets, when you see, and you know, when you boil it down to, <clears throat> excuse me, something kind of as simplistic as that, you can kind of see, okay, I, I can see how someone would see it that way. But I mean, it was such a complicated relationship Ooh. and there was, you know, yeah, there was, there was so much, there was so much more to it than that. And it's clear that, uh, you know, they had their, they had their divisive moments they had their times when they did not get on but equally um you know even at the very i think at the very end they they were still very close again after a disagreement and after a time apart so yeah i think it's a i think it's a, a little too simplistic to say that yates it is it is and the, the, yeah i mean a stalker i mean he wasn't a stalker if any if anything you know you could say that she was a bit stalky because any time that she had hard times, it was Yates who she sought out for comfort and for support. Um, and because he was always in love with her from the beginning, she knew that he'd never refuse her her needs and her, you know, he'd never refuse her to comfort her, to, to spend time with her. Um, and, yeah. you and know, I mean, it's it's easy. And, and I mean, let's face it, there was, you know, there was some very, there are some very strange aspects to that relationship. But, um, oh, yeah. but I think that's what's, that is what is so fascinating about it. And it's of the time as well. You know, the Victorians, they were into occult and weird spiritual things. And um, and it was a very turbulent time in our country and in politics and in Europe. So, you know, it's it's too easy um, and too simplistic to say, oh, stalker, creep or whatever, because yeah. there's way more to the story than that. And, you know, people judge Maud harshly too. Um, the other side of it, some people do. And, you know, she sacrificed a lot to do a lot of good work for, for the poor and disenfranchised people in Ireland. Um, and she had a very tough um, upbringing in that she, she, had a, she, she experienced a lot of loss in her own life when she was young. And I think, you know, losing your parents when you're young um, is, is very tough. That separation thing and that trauma does definitely, you know, can affect people. In, in their own lives as they as they grow into adulthood and they have their own children, you know. So, you know, we it's easy to judge someone sitting at a computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and 
we had a lot of fun shooting those scenes and a beautiful, <laughs> yeah. beautiful environment. Um, and the, I mean, the shots look stunning uh, and Thank not you. just, not just in that episode, but um, I mean, the whole, the whole series looks stunning. Everything, every aspect of it from the, the uh, life that you've breathed into the older photographs to the, the kind of the movement and some of the illustrations to uh, the, the, even the, you know, the um, interview shots look stunning. The recreations reconstructions look stunning. One of the things I really like about the reconstructions is that I was watching it with Marcy and we were chatting about it and if they feel, uh, they feel kind of glimpsed. And I think I was saying that to you the other day that like the only way that I could think to describe it was that, it, it it almost feels like kind of half remembered memories or something, which mm-hmm. I just thought was a really interesting way to approach it. That it's not, it's not. Oh, you know, there's two actors pretending to be two his, historical figures. It's a much more. There's a much more ethereal feeling than that, um, which I which I yeah, really like. Um, thank you. I'm I'm really glad that you picked that out or that you noticed that because that was a specific plan we put into place, like right from the beginning when we started talking about the reconstructions in particular like you know, we were like uh we don't like first of all like okay you can say that you don't have the budget to recreate these these times right um and that is that is true um but even when people do have budgets to create these times they don't always necessarily get it right or it doesn't feel right or it's just an interpretation of the past still you know it's not yeah. it's never going to be exactly you know and it's if you some people look really like historical figures some actors can really pull it off but again they're the best of the best and they get you know it's like it's very very difficult i think to really pull off that perfect reconstruction with the actor looking and sounding like that i mean for instance gary oman doing uh, winston churchill uh, i mean it's it's uncanny um sometimes when people can do that kind of thing right but obviously we didn't have that we weren't ever going to have that situation we were looking in locations we selected that we could like the locations were almost almost ready to shoot. We had to just tweak them a little bit. Right. They, you know, we had to find the right costumes with with Kate, Kate Howard, who did the costumes, um, get the get the look of them and get the props and everything that was timely and making it look right. But then, once that's all in place, our plan was always to have like you know a silhouette, um, a shot that someone moves through the frame, or you're filming as much as we could we always try to film through something so what people call a dirty frame is the word dirty kind of gives it a negative connotation but that there's always something between the camera and the character like be it a doorway a door frame or a a glass a window um a drinks like the in the michael collins uh, opening shot of the episode she walks between her um and the camera as kitty kieran walks into the room there is a table with a drinks tray um and like there's there's some ornaments and there's flower a flower pot and there's photographs and as the camera moves past them she's beyond them so there is you know there's there's props and there's items between the camera and the person so it just you know it's we didn't want to show these actors um as the characters as these historical figures because especially very famous historical figures like Michael Collins, everyone knows what they look like, you know, like, like um, WB Yates and Maud gone. People have a, an idea already from all the photographs that exist of what they look like. So you don't want to be trying to pull that off. I don't yeah. you know. Sometimes it kind of takes you out of the, the program. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was nice to keep a distance from them. And if we did go close up, it was always on an element of like their hands writing a letter or, you know, their hands stroking their face or doing something like you um, writing as yet. We were over your shoulder, side of your head and your ear down onto the page. And, you know, you paid more attention to your hand and the quill and the ink and yeah. what was around the table. And it's just a sense of, oh, yeah, Yates is in a room at nighttime, candlelit. And he's writing, you know, and it's like you you're thinking about then what the VO is saying and about Yates mm, writing yeah. at night time, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was it was a lot of fun. It's not always easy because you always want to show faces because we as as human beings, we always seek out a face, even in real life in a crowd or walking down the street. We look at people's faces on a screen, on a cinema screen. Our eyes are attracted always to other people's faces and eyes, you know, when we read people's real what's really going on and, but, and maybe that's what gives it that quality as well that there is a kind of a you know because i you know that, that what i said about the kind of half remembered memory maybe it is that thing mm -hmm. that when you're watching it you are you're trying to seek out the faces but they're not quite yes. there so so there is that searching feeling yeah it makes you engage maybe it makes you work you know it makes the you're you're subconsciously working to figure out the scene and what's yeah. going on you know yeah yeah uh, and the the valentine's day date thing is that was that a happy coincidence or was that very much a a, a, a conscious programming no choice? that was a total happy coincidence okay yeah. cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah it was funny it was just like okay and then as well as that it was like you know is even before it was settled on what day it was going to be because we don't have total control over that either like tg Carr's scheduling people came back and said oh you know this is the day it's going to be on at this time and this day and we're we're happy with the time you know we could have gone earlier which wouldn't have been good half eight's pretty good like, like it's not a bad time to be on people yeah. have finished their dinner generally and uh, sitting down ready to go um but no the valentine's was was just lucky for us um and then it was a case of, oh, which one is going to fall closer to Valentine's? And, yeah, you know, we had yeah. Yates and Maud gone last week and we've got um, Gronje from or Grace O'Malley coming up next week. So we're we're right right now, we're, we're pushing Grace O'Malley because it's the next one and we're, we're using Valentine's to, like, yeah. it's funny. I, we we sent out a, a one of our press releases. Uh, the, the, the headline was... Um, the Pirate Queen spends um, Valentine's 1578 in Limerick Jail. You know, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> how do we get people's attention? You know, how do you yeah. uh, get people to kind of relate to this thing that happened um, so, so yeah. long ago, 500 years ago, you know? Um, but she spent Valentine's Day in, in jail, in Limerick Jail, in like, it was a 1578, 15, 15, I think it was 1578 or something like that. That's funny. Cool. And you, that is something that you seem to have done a really good job with, actually, is um, getting media for the, the series as it has gone along. Because I imagine that's, I mean, I imagine that's quite difficult as well, because to the press, mostly it's probably seen as a thing. Whereas I think you've done a great job of managing to get press for this episode and then this episode and then... Um, yeah, that's and we're very happy at the moment with the way it's gone. It's very hard. Like we're not a big show. It's half an hour episodes, and we're on a half eight. Like uh, there's like the, I suppose the the show after us at nine o'clock half is a half eight to we're half eight to nine. Then there's a show at half nine that's like an hour long. It's a big show. It's been running for a few years, and it's um it's award winning and stuff. So we're in competition with bigger shows to get attention in the media. You know. Um, and like that, when you are a series, 
you kind of find that you get traction on the first episode. As you say, it's like, oh, they promote the series with the first episode and then they're kind of like done. Um, and it's up to yeah. you. It really is up to you. Like the, the TV station will have, they have their PR people and their marketing people in place and they do always send it out to their regulars and to their certain places and they push it every week as well. But you can never rely on that. If you want to, if you really want to get the show out and you want to get the numbers up and get people engaging with it and talking about it, it is really down to you as the filmmaker, as the TV maker, as like Derek, as the producer is taking the lead on this and he he right. always has the final say on, on how it's going to go. I've been working very closely with him on it. Um, uh, but in fairness, all of most of the national media stuff we've gotten um, is either true Derek or TG Carr now. Uh, and I'll have to give Derek a nod. He's gotten some really good stuff. Like we were on Arena on Radio One where they talked to Dermot Ferreter and um, uh, Kira, another, um, um, I'm after forgetting Kira, sorry, no, she kill me. Um, <laughs> they talk, talk about talking to them about the Mike Collins episode on Radio One at like, you know, it was half seven, eight o'clock in the evening. You know, it's great, great coverage. Um, we've got a lot Brilliant. of national media. They, it's got a, it got a plug on Today Fame. It got a plug on uh, News Talk. It's got a plug on the Today Show on RTE. So I think people are talking about it. And the more, I, I, I think when it comes to marketing something, you have that fine line of when you start to um, annoy people, you know. Um, but you just have to be a bit bold as well, a bit brazen maybe, because... If you don't push every episode, it will kind of just you get your norm, your you get your regulars who like the who like the series, and they'll continue watching it. Or you'll have friends and family who are all you know interested in seeing the work you're doing. But if you really want to get it out there and want to get more interest and try to get those extra few people that don't know you or aren't connected to get Absolutely. them involved, yeah. you really do have to try and push it. And uh, every week, as soon as an episode ends and airs. The next day, we're planning how we're going to push the next episode. And we, while we sent out, or we came up with like the initial kind of press pack originally and what the episodes were about, we didn't realize that, you know, okay, that worked fine for the first week, but now we need to get something more clever to engage. And then when you start looking at, say, for example, last week on Yates and Maud Gone, we Google, when you Google Yates and Maud Gone, there's loads of news articles about them. They're, they're one of that, they're, they're those historic figures in Ireland that newspapers regularly do something on them. Michael Collins right. is another one. If you Every week there's some paper doing something about Michael Collins, you know, um, and it was the same with Yates and Maud Gone. So we started looking at what they were writing about Yates and Maud Gone. It was like, oh, we're sunk this week because, um, you know, two, three weeks ago or a month ago, there was a, a, an article about Maud Gone and doing something or Yates and he's a cult, right. you know, the cult kind of stuff. So we were lucky in that we had, uh, pictures and photographs and paintings from the private collection of Maud Gon's great-granddaughter, Isolde White. And she was willing to talk about the show. She was willing to push it and to engage with it. And we colorized her pictures and she was blown away with that colorization herself. And so the Times ended up doing a piece on their online, um, on their website, as opposed to print. But still, it's still the Irish Times and it has great coverage. And they Absolutely. interviewed her. And they showed some of the pictures. So it was the having the pictures from a private collection I haven't seen before. It's that kind of exclusive. If you can find something yeah. that hasn't been seen before, like the Robert Demon episode, we had his debt mask, and we were able to recreate this guy that worked with with Derek on colorizations and stuff, recreated the face of Robert Emmett from the debt mask. And again, the Irish Times ran that. Yeah, um, that was so, that was quite incredible, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, that was like just the first day we saw it in the in, in the studio and in the office, like, you know, when it came in, it was just like, wow, no one's seen this yet. You know, it was just sure. us. And it was it was it was mind blowing. Um, uh, it was fascinating. And and it worked. I mean, people people engaged with it and people were affected by it. People were kind of talking about it, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like like I just said, the, the clever, clever headlines, like the, the thing is, right, most of the newspapers Aside from like the Irish Times now and Examiner, right? They've been very good to us. The Examiner as well has been really engaging with the with the show. But most newspapers um, around the country and the smaller newspapers and especially the free newspapers, they'll get a story and they'll get your say a press release from you or from TG Carr. They will copy and paste it into a column on their website or on their paper sure. and they'll print it as it is. So you see something and you go, oh, for God's sake, like it's just every information we give them is on there. It's like so, but the onus is on you and anybody else out there who's like, you know, looking to do this kind of stuff or, or will need to do it. It's just like, make sure it's as tight and as concise as you can possibly make it. And also think about the fact that it's going to be in the paper and the person who's printing it or doing the story might not have time to actually rewrite it or to take the bits out of it to make it nice themselves. They might literally just copy and paste your article into the paper or your press release as an article into the paper. So, yeah. so from the from the first two episodes, we started learning that and we started rewriting right. and we started making things a bit sharper and tighter. And we started coming up with whatever the top line was, whatever the headline was, they might necessarily use that headline, but it got them engaged. But if that popped up in their email, if you're a journalist and you're up in Dublin, you're getting stuff in every night or every morning and suddenly one comes up and it says, you know, Ireland's part queen spent Valentine's Day in Limerick jail. Yeah. It's, it's different, you know? It's um, yeah, a, a hook, a hook to get them to get them in. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. But it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? I mean, like, it's kind of mad the um the the different hats you have to wear. Like as a filmmaker, did you ever think that you would be spending so much time essentially doing marketing and PR? Well, you know what, Frank? It's funny because when I was making my own short films back in the day, like, you know, we making films since I was 15, but like started getting a bit of traction in my early 20s, got into a few film festivals with a few shorts, right? And right there and then I figured out that people don't necessarily get in the paper because they're brilliant at what they do, but they don't get like, you know, a center spread in the culture section because they're the next best thing. They get there because either they've got the uh, good PR company behind them or they had the neck to get in touch with the paper themselves or they made a contact or they were like networking and they have contacts in the press because I realized I had a, I knew a guy locally in Cork who worked for the examiner and said it to him. I've got two films in the Cork film festival. And suddenly he just, you know, told a buddy in the fest in, in the examiner who, who did the entertainment section, got right. a phone call, did an interview. Some guy took a photograph and I was yeah. in the paper and everyone's like, Oh, saw you in the examiner. And it's like, you're kind of going, okay, it's that balance of like, am I being too egotistical here? And am I looking for attention or am I actually promoting myself and my work and the brand? Well, this is and, it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, why you, you can't create work in a vacuum. You have to share it. And to get it, the audience, you, you know, you have to, uh, you have to get, you have to do it through those channels. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I learned from, a, a, from that time onwards, I realized that you have to create your own press releases or your own press or your own uh, perception and, and, your yeah like you said the word isn't going to get out on its own and word of mouth is all well and good but you know you also have to try and push it out there so that you know your work as you said it's been seen it's been talked about is known so that when you might maybe do have an opportunity to get 
some backing or funding or interest or collaboration. Someone has heard about your work or what you do, or someone has realized, oh, he must be pretty good because he was in the paper or, you know, I went and watched his film in the festival because I saw the newspaper. So, you know, it's like you have to kind of sometimes go, okay, I don't care what people are going to think. They can think what they like. They can, you know, think that I'm just trying to be an ego or promote myself. But you know what? If you're going to be in the arts and you're going to be, as you you said gotta get your work out there and you have to kind of do your best so it's i learned true. i learned that and also what what you do is you learn from being in festivals with short films and uh getting a bit of traction maybe winning a festival here and there you start to do interviews and it might be for a free paper that someone gets in a supermarket or it might be on you know a small radio station that no one kind of knows about um but like I have done a number of interviews now on like 96FM and Red FM. And then suddenly you find yourself uh, doing an interview for the the Irish Times. And it's like, if you hadn't done the smaller papers, school magazines, college magazines, and then suddenly you're doing 96FM, then you're doing Red FM, and now you're doing the Irish Times. you, You wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be as good or you wouldn't have the experience of doing it if you hadn't done all the smaller ones you know absolutely no it builds it builds and yeah, it and builds. and you build your language around it as well um yes yes and i think and you, you made your... i think you made a really good point there as well about you know it's not even just it's not even just getting the word out but it's also positioning the the piece um, yes. And this, I mean, I, you know, this happens to me all the time because I will, I will read, you know, filmmaking blogs and, and, and so I'll read about a film and as a result, I'll go and seek that film out. I'll watch that film. And because I've read the piece, I'm already predisposed to it. And I'm already on the lookout for the themes because the director has already informed me of the themes. And like, I'm sure everyone at this stage has uh, a trail of, of, um, films that they've started but not finished on Netflix or whatever streaming (laughs) platforms. But what I find is that I am much more likely to persevere and finish the film if I have been prepped by reading all about the director's thoughts and what he was trying to achieve and how he did it. Because when I'm watching it, I'm already, I'm already kind of, um, I'm already in that world before I've ever actually started watching the film. Whereas uh, if I come to a film cold uh, it's probably a poor reflection on me, but I'd say I'm not alone. That I, sometimes <laughs> I'm not willing to do the work to to actually yeah. to pull all that out of it. Yeah, you're not, and you're also not as invested. And the the world around or outside the film, you're not aware of it, so you don't really care as much. You know. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, that was. I wasn't expecting actually to take that that turn into uh, into such a deep dive into the marketing, but that's actually. I, I, yeah, it's fascinating. I find that Is it really fascinating? Really when yeah. you brought it up, I started thinking about it and we're doing it at the moment. So it's fresh in my mind and I've been thinking about it a lot. And it's just like, how do you catch people's attention? There's yeah. so many. And like we had a tough time um, in the first, the second week of the show, we were competing against the Biden inauguration. Um, it was on the same night as our show was on. And then right. there was the mother and baby homes. There was COVID. There was the, the all the Trump Biden stuff. The newspapers were full. I mean, it was like, even trying to get in touch with the newspapers, trying to get them to engage, their printed pages were full. There was so much in the news that they couldn't sacrifice um, a, a spot in the right. printed part of the paper. Right. And like it's 
so we ended up online a lot, which is fine because you get more readership online these days anyway. But sure. there's nothing like that status um, of having sure. a newspaper printing uh, printed yeah. in your hands, you know. Yeah. But we did okay, and the examiner in particular have been very good to us that way. They they did a really nice spread on Mikey Collins, you know, and right. and, it, and did a bit on the the Queen Artelira episode as well. Uh, Claudia Rose Long, who's the singer from Cork is in the episode and sings the Queen, a version of the Queen, and that kind of, um, you, you you get a great Cork reaction when you do something that's Cork-based, which I yeah. love, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but Absolutely. it really helps, and not, not every city is like that, you know? If you're too big a city, yeah. there's a lot of going on, whereas if you do something um, specifically Cork in Cork, yeah. they're mad for it, you know? It's great. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, speaking of that, um, something that I, I ask, something that I ask any kind of Cork uh, creators that, that I have on the podcast is uh, is about that choice to to stay in Cork, and mm. uh, I mean, and just about the experience of of I guess making work outside of what is what are more traditionally kind of the the centres for for the industry. What has what has kept you in Cork? Um, I suppose it must be. Like it has to be the connections and the, that network that you build up, you know. Um, but it's it's more than that because it's also family and friends. I mean, I I have a I have a large family. We're all very close. My wife Holly, she has a large family. They're all very close, and I'm I'm close with all of them now. Um, and you really miss that when when you go away. Like I I lived in I lived in I lived in even in Dublin. Like I lived in Dublin for six years and. Right. Uh, um, and I, I, I could, and I did make films in Dublin. I could probably, I could probably live and make films in Dublin, but uh, it's just very expensive. But I also lived in Luxembourg, worked in film studios over there for a while. Um, you know, spent time in the states. Um, lived in Manchester for a while, and it was like all those places. And I was always conscious of I wanted to make films, and I basically the infrastructure was harder to find or to gauge or to kind of in, engage with. Right. It's just like, say now um, I'm in Luxembourg and I'm only there six months and I've started to get to know a few people. But still, like, I can't go out and shoot in my mate's house, my mother's house. And I know it sounds it sounds sure. amateurish. It sounds like, you know, not a professional way to make films. But the fact is, you have to make films um, continuously in order to get better at it and to get yeah. confident and to learn and to build a team around you that that we're all working together we're all getting to know each other we're all improving at our really, craft yeah no i think it's really important and i think um, uh, i yeah. had andrew macklin on as a guest there at the end of last year and he ha- he has a um he has his own series of uh, chats with with creative people and I was asking him, you know, what were the what were the common things that were coming up, and uh, and that was one of them was the importance the importance of building that network and the or not even network, but that the importance of building that I suppose tribe of people that you can work with yeah. and that you can create yeah, yeah. with. Um, yeah. And again, speaking of that, you have made a lot of short films with a guy called Owen Fitzpatrick. Um, yeah. That was so, that, that's an interesting one because like while I was always making stuff in Cork and I, I did come back to Cork after living away, I came back to Cork because I wanted to be where I felt comfortable and I felt at home. I never felt at home anywhere as as much as I did in Cork. Yeah, and I and I felt I could make films in Cork and do work in Cork, and then work outside of Cork as well if when the opportunity arose, you know. Yeah, but. Um, and like I did a lot of work and I made a lot of films in Cork with Rupert McCarthy Morrow as the as the DP and um, and I like it was it was all 
really, you know, steep learning curve and doing a lot of work um, and using a lot of favors. That's the thing as well, of course, using a lot of favors and trying to build up to the fact where you can actually get a budget to make something. But when it came to Owen, um, I've been working with Owen for a good few years in his um, uh, as a a trainer, as a coach. Um, Owen is a speaker, a public speaker, and he tours the world doing NLP training and uh, influence training and this kind of stuff and charisma training. He's, he's published a number of books and he, uh, he speaks and trains all over the world. And, but Owen's passion is writing film, film writing and um, acting. So I didn't know this. I didn't know like he's been up on stage his whole life and he's always right. like talking to crowds of people. Uh, but I didn't know he wanted to be an actor. And then, one summer he rang me from New York and he's like, um, no, I knew he was in New York, but I thought he was like working as a trainer, as a speaker and doing NLP stuff. But he rang me from New York and he said, look, for the last two summers I've been training um, in, I'm always forgetting it. There's two schools of, of, of acting in New York. There's the Strasbourg one. And then there is the Stella Adler or Adler. Yeah. It was Adler or, or Strasbourg. It was, it was one of these schools. Anyway, he went right. to two summers in a row um, at, to the acting school, like, you know, um, to train and to take it seriously and to start looking into it as a, as a you know, as a, as a real thing and to, to right. take it seriously himself. So I was like, really? Wow, that's cool, man. He's like, um, and I'm wondering if you would be willing to come over to New York for like a week or so and we'll make a short film together. And I was like, yeah, sure, definitely, you know. So um, like that now, he, so he, he, he sent me a script I rewrote sections or made notes on sections and sent it back to him. He came back to me again. So we went back and forth with a script for like, you know, four or five times, maybe over a week. Um, and when we were happy with the script, he's like, right, let's do this. And um, he wrote the script based on, again, this is, you know, what we always do with short films. He wrote the script based on what he could access or what he could, favorites he could pull on in Manhattan. So right. like he was living, he was living downtown Manhattan and he was going to college in this, it was like a, a building as part of a larger college in New York that was like specifically for performing arts and, and acting. He was doing an acting course there. And basically he flew me to New York. Now he wasn't paying me, paying me, but he covered all the expenses. Right. So he flew me to New York. I had a small cinema camera called a pocket, the black magic pocket cinema camera with a very small lens on it. Um, and a variable, a variable in D so that I could uh, control the, Sun, the amount of sunlight getting into the camera and I had two um, radio mic packs in my bag so literally all I had with me was the camera a few lenses and the two mic the, the radio mics right Went to, flew to New York Owen picked me up and he basically had himself in the lead and he had uh, two or three actors he had been working with in the previous um, summer in the, in the in one of the big schools one of the big acting schools in New York and then he had this School he's in right now, he had the younger actors um, specifically picked out to play parts um, as well. And the story took place, he was a teacher and he used the class in his, in his school where he was going to college at the time. And he used the, all the students as his students. So it was very clever, Brilliant. Yeah. especially when you're in New York and Manhattan where it can be so and, expensive. And, and that short, you're in the States. That short looks absolutely stunning. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. The, the brutal truth. Yeah. So I think Owen is a great example there of like how you put the elements together with what you know and what you have, you know, because like being in Cork, 
you can shoot in your mate's house, you can shoot in your mother's house, you can shoot in your own house. And also you've got some actors that you've been working with. He got all these actors together. He got all the locations together. And we also went on the fly around the streets and uh, Central Park and stuff of uh, New York with the microphone packs hidden in my backpack. They had radio mics <laughs> on them. And uh, and I, the camera was so small, it looked like I was taking stills, you know. And we... We just yeah, we filmed everywhere, Times Square you, and um, I mean, Central Park. You, you would not, you would not think watching that short that it was a a gorilla shoestring budget. You, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> That's great to hear. Like we we got a great response from it, and it actually won um, a prize down in the Fast and Film Festival in Skull. Like we 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 couldn't believe it. We were blown away. Like you know, because yeah. like that we made it. Out, we we were flying off the seat of our pants. Like we were literally running around new york and like every now and then jumping in a cab jumping in the subway we filmed in the subway own sitting in the subway and i'm filming yeah. him and it's just like i was i was nervous that we would get stopped by the police or, or at least questioned by the police because there's a lot of permits needed in new york city and stuff but i think yeah once you keep it small and you keep it you're not interrupting or kind of um causing sure. obstruction then you're okay but sure yeah like the, the it was great fun and it, it was my first experience in new york as well which was fantastic and then, and then you've gone on. You've just you've continued to collaborate. Yeah, but Owen is very driven that way. Like Owen, once Owen puts his mind to something, he'll he'll just keep it up. And he wanted to keep making short films, different ideas. He enjoyed coming up with ideas and working with different ideas. And basically, what he was doing was, anytime there was a person, a friend of his that he wanted to act with or write with or collaborate with if they were say in Dublin he wanted to do something in Dublin when they were there so we would prep for that and we would do it so for example we did uh, the penalty in Dublin when his friend from New Zealand was in town right. um, Kevin and they they wrote the script together I shot and directed it and Owen again would cover Owen would cover my expenses and he would pay for the edit which was great I, d- I enjoyed shooting it um, I wasn't out of pocket, but then as well as that, I got paid because I spent a few weeks in the edit and he was covering that cost. Gotcha. So, you know, it felt like you were making, you were being paid to make films while yeah. also, you know, collaborating with, with really good friends and people that you like working with. Um, then he always wanted to make a, a film with a fr- another friend of his in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And the two of us went over there and this friend, um, you know, set up a lot of things we shot in this guy had like a he's a a, a very successful guy who has like nightclubs and bars in edinburgh and we shot nightclubs and you know he helped us set up different things so it's like it's just being clever and 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 going places where you know people and have contacts and he wanted me to go to thailand to film with two friends of his that were there he was going there for work and he's like i'm going there for work let's make a film right and my brother was getting married that week, so I, he was going, so I couldn't go. So Rupert went instead. Rupert went and, right. again, Owen paid for travel and expenses. And oh, uh, Rupert went over with a camera and microphones and, and shot a short film over there with him. Um, but like I, I went back to New York to do another film with him. Um, and again, that was his script, his idea, and he got the actors together. And uh, it was December. It was a December in New York, and we ran around again, ran around the streets. And we had we actually had to replace a lot of the audio for that because we were shooting down um, by Dumbo on on the um, on the right on the river there on the the bay and there was helicopters boats all these like tourist right. taxis okay. yeah, yeah. river taxis and helicopters flying people out to the um, the Statue of Liberty it was so noisy oh my right. god 
But again, we had great fun. Uh, we shot actually that time at, on the top of the um, the Empire State Building, um, which yes, you know, recreating the the film scene. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. sleepers in Seattle wasn't sleepers in Seattle. Yeah, is it that or is it you've got mail? I don't know. I mix I mix those up. No, I think you're right. Sleepers yeah, in Seattle. Sleepers in yeah, Seattle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, like we we were pretending to take a photograph because there's security everywhere at the top of uh, the Empire State Building, right. and. <laughs> And what we did was we like again we we didn't even we didn't even put the mic packs on them this time because we had to go up in the elevator and there was a lot of security and we didn't want to get um, caught or stopped or questioned so I took the camera out pretended I was taking the still of them and they started goofing and like we I filmed around there for half an hour lots of different stuff with them looking out over the city and kind of Amazing. you know looking into into each other's eyes and yeah. then what we did was when we got back downstairs we we basically recreated the scene for sound to just like, okay, play the scene again a few times and we recorded it for sound. Right. And gotcha. then I stitched it together later, like, you know, but that's amazing. Working with Owen, it's great. We've, he's had great success. It, they've been played at a lot of festivals. They've won some prizes. And actually very interestingly, he like two, I think two of the films, um, when we first started doing it, two of the films played in a small festival. And here's another lesson I learned, right? There's never too small a festival. Um, you know, it's like it's like there's never too small an article, too small a paper, too small a radio yeah. station. There is no film festival too small for your film because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be there or who who they're connected with. You know, because we played at a small film festival in in New York in Manhattan, and you know, no one heard about it, no one knows about it in in Ireland, no one knows about it. You know, people in Manhattan might know about it, but there's, there's festivals in Manhattan every day. You know, and a lady from uh, Hughes Pictures, which is a distribution company that specializes in short films, um, was at the festival. And right. she saw two of our films. She heard Owen talking or introducing or doing Q&A or something. She approached him afterwards and said, I'd love to take your two films. Do you have anything else? And now five of the films that myself and Owen have worked on together are on Amazon Prime in the States That's through fantastic. that company. And just there, like over Christmas, I got an email from them and Two of the films have gone on to two other platforms that I don't I don't know what platforms they are. I'd have to look them up again because sure. you know yeah, they're yeah, in the yeah. states and not familiar, but the films are out there because of um, of that small festival. You know that's brilliant. That's brilliant. What about over here? Is there anywhere people can can see any of the films at the moment? At the moment, because of that deal with Use Pictures and because they're on Amazon Prime, we don't have them right. anywhere to view at the moment. Um, I, I The last time I checked, they're not available in Ireland, but they're on sure. um, the US Amazon and, Prime. And what about, um, where, where should people go to either find out more about you or connect with you or, or do, do you do social media? Um, oh yeah, well, look, we're doing crazy social media at the moment for um for the show for the series Scale to Grow on Hair, and because again, it's like you know, you're you're worried you're going to annoy your own contacts and stuff and push it out there too much or or you know flood people's social media with your stuff. But do you know what? You just have to kind of take that hit sometimes and just keep keep pushing because you know somebody might see it somebody might tune in it might get across to somebody that that doesn't know you yeah um so we're all you know keeping it some bit you know we're, we're all pushing our own the, the show on our own social media at the moment yeah. um and I, i'm on instagram as paddy o'shea i am on facebook as paddy o'shea i'm on twitter as paddy o'shea my own company is southern man films and i have a website southernmanfilms.com um and Perfect. also you can check out bow media I, I do a lot of work with derek and derek with bow media we did the show together um 
But yeah, look, it, if you go on any of the, the social media at the moment, it's going to be all about scales going here, you know, which is, is fine by me. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Paddy, that was uh, that was a fascinating <laughs> chat, um, and uh, I had loads more things that I was going to chat to you about. But um, I think well, yeah, yeah. I think the best thing to do might be to just bring you back another time later. <laughs> um, sure, listen, great chatting with you, man. It's very yeah. easy to talk, to you, and thank you for bringing me on. It's great. Really, really appreciate you uh, giving your time and and yeah, and your insights. Um, absolutely fantastic, and uh, and and well done on the show. And I look forward thank to chatting to you soon. Thank you. Be sure and check out Scale to Grow a Heron on TG Car. At the time of recording, the final episode is due to play on Wednesday, the 17th of February, 2021 at 8.30pm. And you can also watch the episodes on the TG Car player. Thank you so much for listening. As always, connect with me on Twitter at Frankie P. And if you're looking for a quick, easy and affordable actors website, check out www.mysite.actor. Thank you.